A lot of drama over the past week here in the stock markets, but arguably even more drama throughout the summer in natural gas and commodity prices and the impact it's going to have on Europe's economy. Let's continue that conversation with Jeff Kleintop joining us, the Chief Global Investment Strategist at Charles Schwab. Jeff, great to see you on a Tuesday. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. There's a lot going on. It's a big weekend. <laughs> and uh, we get to continue our convo. Uh, let's start with the Nord Stream situation. Uh, last time we discussed a week ago, there was some uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Has that darkened? Well, perhaps. But look, Europe is still getting Russian natural gas through the pipelines that run through Poland and Slovakia. But that trickle that was coming through the Nord Stream 1 has been halted, of course. Importantly, though, the reason Europe has filled its natural gas storage to over 80% of, of capacity two months ahead of schedule is LNG, not piped Russian gas. The nat gas supply from U.S. LNG alone has exceeded the pipeline supply from Russia since the start of the summer. So now, there looks to be less of a supply problem and more of a price problem. Now, European leaders can't make more gas, but they can make electricity more affordable, and they're working on that this week. Winter electricity prices are already down 50% from what they were just a week and a half ago when the Nord Stream 1 was still flowing. So what we'll be watching very closely is what comes out of the deliberations this week to address those high electricity prices in Europe, both for consumers and businesses. Okay. Uh, natural gas coming off a little bit from the highs, maybe the worst being passed, uh, to your point, other sources of energy flow. Uh, but the impact on prices, has it already been baked into the cake and um, does it get stuck there in a way that forces bankers to follow the Fed's path in their uh, inflation regime, Jeff? Yeah, I, I think that uh, the European Central Bank is probably going to hike by 75 basis points on Thursday. This is a historic move. This is a, a big move for Europe. The last time Europe or its predecessor central bank, the Bundesbank, hiked by 75 basis points was in August of, uh, of was it 1992, I think. This was right after you saw the um, fall of the Berlin Wall and West and East Germany had come together and it created a tremendous amount of economic upheaval. That's a reflection of the monumental forces driving this move. Inflation in Europe is certainly being driven by energy here, but overall housing, it's not just the electricity component of housing, it's overall housing prices. We see that around the world. And I think that's one of the reasons why the ECB is going to stick to its guns and hike by 75 basis points despite these high energy prices. Uh, housing inflation just not likely to come down. One of, the, one of the reasons is that home prices in Europe, as in the U.S., are based on rentals not on actually not on actual home prices. So the housing component of CPI is uh, actually maybe getting a boost here even as housing comes down because as houses to buy them becomes less affordable because of higher rates, tighter lending conditions, it actually boosts rental prices. So we're in a, a bad situation here in the US and Europe. Other parts of the world measure inflation on housing differently. They include home prices in that, like in Australia, a few other places where we're likely to see inflation drop more quickly and maybe central banks uh, be able to pull back a little bit more rapidly. But now I think 75 basis points in the cards, despite the very difficult uh, energy price situation in Europe right now. You've broken down uh for Germany, their inflation components, and it shows uh, how steep this price has been moving uh, their inflation level, but also that that housing portion you mentioned is a big, big part of it. Uh, food has also been moving pretty quickly here lately as well, the last few months. 
Do any of these components suggest that there could be a, a positive rollover anytime soon? Well, I, I think it's that shelter piece we're all going to be watching very closely. We know commodity prices have stabilized, if not started to come down. Aluminum is way down, down to you know the lowest we've seen it in, in a year. Wheat prices have come down. Even energy prices have started to ease a little bit. So I think, and, and food as well, I think I mentioned wheat, we'll start to see that fall. It's this 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 shelter housing component of inflation will all be watching going forward as the main component. It's a very difficult one for central banks to address. Uh, they can they can hike rates, but again, that weakens home prices doesn't necessarily take down rental prices. It means less homes are being constructed and may actually sustain rental prices. So I'm worried about this being very sticky, even as we see deflation, perhaps even in other categories over the course of the next six months or so. So keep a close eye on that. The interesting question will be how much central banks push, knowing that they really are going to have a tough time driving down rental prices. Okay, so even uh, if there's risk of some deflation, the number's too high already to prevent the ECB from treading softly. To your point about the historic interest rate hike coming, what about after it? Are they going to be stuck? Uh, what's the messaging so far in the language from that central bank on the sustainability of a 75 basis point path? Well, they probably likely dial that back a little bit and, and maybe with the, the Fed perhaps leaning towards that direction as well, a slower pace of rate hikes later this year, uh, maybe uh, previewed by Powell, we might see the same thing. But you know, it, it's interesting to see the, the euro, we just talked about how weak it is versus the dollar, and it certainly is, but it's actually strengthened in the last couple of weeks against every other G10 currency. And that's in part on this idea that the ECB is getting serious about trying to address its inflation problem really for the first time. I mean, they made some tepid moves over the course of the summer, uh, but now are really looking at this in a much more serious way. And, and that has helped to boost the currency against the yen, against the pound, against the, even the Swiss franc. So the hiking regime uh, is still not enough to budge the euro. It's, it's kind of wild that uh, the dollar is still higher. What, does that say more about us than them uh, in terms of the central bank trade-off? Because it sounds like if Europe's doing something historic, you might just expect the euro to get off the ground, but instead the dollar is taking off. Is that uh, an implicit suggestion that perhaps the Fed could be even more aggressive than we think right now? Potentially, uh, it's probably also a reflection of just a flight to quality. I mean, we've seen, I, I realize, you know, markets are bouncing back mm -hmm. a little bit today, but certainly the market has been seeking to hold more cash and it's been mm -hmm. uh, looking for treasuries to do that. And of course, to hold treasuries at wherever you are around the world, you've got to buy dollars. And I think there's, there's an element of that to it as well. But it is remarkable how strong the dollar has been and continues to be. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned uh, the data in Europe and that potentially some of the inflation levels could cool by way of deflation. How does the recession risk compare? Is that contributing to the euro's weakness that maybe uh, they will be hiking into an even worse economic scenario because the PMIs are rolling over and um, uh, they've been rolling over since September, according to your chart. And uh, I think that's a little bit worse than us too. I mean, we've dropped off, but then we had some stabilization uh, in some of our data as well. I mean, generally, uh, they're still pretty elevated. They're well above 50, but it looks like the peak was quite a while ago and is getting worse. 
Yeah, that's right. I, and I, I think actually the, the, the notion of a global recession may have finally arrived. You know, we've seen some countries around the world produce negative GDP reports for one or two quarters in the first half of this year. But I think now what we're seeing is more of a broadening global recession. That's bad news for Europe, which is a big exporting uh, a group. Uh, they're very dependent upon global growth. You know, we've seen the fall in the global manufacturing PMI in August to 50.3. And that implies that global industrial activity has just stalled out. And a further decline in the forward-looking components of this, like new orders and new export orders subcomponents, suggest that the next reading, the September reading, probably below 50. 50 is the dividing line between you know recession and, and growth. So I, I think we're going to see input, uh, output here slowing. That's probably going to begin to weigh on the earnings outlook here as we head into the pre-announcement season. You can see this chart here shows how very closely earnings growth tracks the, uh, the PMI. It makes sense. Both are really driven by the the sentiment of business leaders. And I think that that sentiment is going to turn a bit more negative. And this this earnings season, we could see maybe a bit more downgrades. Okay. So if earnings are going to follow the economic trajectory, then it's not going to be a very good one. That being said, the U.S. earnings trajectory is also quite weak. Uh, and so far on the year, uh, both markets for stocks have been pretty bad. Uh, the uh, Eurozone ETF EZU for my shares down 30%, SPY down 18 So it's kind of like a pick your poison situation, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> is there any reason to think this changes? Well, I, you know, I think that the the margin pressure on earnings may not be as bad. One of the things I've been watching is the input price component of the PMI that we just talked about, and that has actually been going down four months in a row. Despite soaring energy prices, particularly in Europe, we've seen this come down, and that's in part because uh, other things I mentioned, like aluminum and steel and copper, a lot of raw material prices are coming down, and for most businesses, energy is only about 1% of costs, 1% of costs of, of goods or 1% of operating expenses. And raw materials and labor make up a much higher percentage of that. So as we see those begin to ease, we're actually seeing businesses say, actually, our, our margins, our, our pricing situation, what we're paying for stuff uh, is coming down and that's actually easing the burden. So while I do think sales growth is gonna come down and that will certainly weigh on, on earnings, I, I think the idea that we're gonna see massive margin compression may not be the case despite these high energy prices I think what we're actually seeing is easing pricing pressures within businesses, and that might be a little bit of a help here, sustaining uh, you know, maybe a mild downturn in earnings as opposed to a really deep recession. Okay, it kind of seems like uh, we're doing a similar dance uh, with the Europe's logic right now where you have to root for the inflationary pressures to ease, but also risk a weak landing yeah. in the process. So only time will tell, but Jeff, as good as we can ask for in helping us figure out uh, what's going into the situation right now. Appreciate it a lot, Mr. Kleintop, as always. Thanks, Dollar. Good to see you. You got it, Jeff.